You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Just do it! Welcome back to The Pipeline Show. We uh, go to our CHL Insider segment brought to you by our good friends at the store next door out in uh, Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, collecting broken hockey sticks from wherever they can get them. If you've uh, got a group that wants to get together and get collect two, three, four, or 500 sticks, ship them out there. They'll pay for it. And they're going to uh, make some really cool products out of it. Employing people with disabilities. It's the storenextdoor.ca. Go out, check them out and, uh, look at their browse through their catalog. Free to uh, look at the catalog and all that stuff and, uh, see if there's some uh, items you might want to, uh, purchase. Put in your sports den or you, you got a sports bar, something like that. Your man cave, whatever you like. The storenextdoor.ca. My CHL insider today is the voice of the Kitchener Rangers, Mike Farwell from uh, 570 News in a, Kitchener, Ontario. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show. Uh, Mike, always great to talk to you. How's things? It, it's great to be here, Guy, and I appreciate the phone call, especially since I have so much time on my hands <laughs> this spring. <laughs> the Rangers season ended a little earlier than the last Rangers season did when the team went to the Western Conference Finals, so here I am with nothing better to do, believe you me, than talk to you. First round exit uh, for the Kitchener Rangers this year, uh, falling in a sweep at the hands of the Guelph Storm, so you got a really good look at the Guelph Storm uh, going in, uh, into round two in, in their uh, series against the London Knights. Now, uh, the uh, preview of round two that I did on my show, I actually said I thought Guelph would pull off the upset. Uh, I did not think it was going to go the way it did. Pretty exciting series. Uh, London getting out to a 3 nothing lead. Looks like it's going to be over, and Guelph uh, comes all the way back uh, to win four in a row. Uh, I'm sure you watched a lot of that series uh, can you put, just recap it, maybe put a historical uh, perspective on how big that comeback was? Yeah, well, to put it in historical perspective, there are two sides to it. The first is it goes down as the biggest collapse in London Knights history. So there's point number one. And on the other side, it is uh, it makes the Guelph Storm just the fifth team in OHL history to come back from a 3 nothing series deficit. Prior to Guelph pulling off that trick, in this playoff year, Windsor had done it twice in the past. Peterborough did it, and the Ottawa 67s had accomplished the feat. So the Guelph Storm in rather elite company by doing it, and of course doing it at the hands of the London Knights. And, you know, if you had told me before the series began that the Guelph Storm would beat the London Knights, even if you said they'd beat the London Knights in seven games, I'd be like, yeah, sure, totally could see that happening because the Storm are that good a team. But for it to happen in the fashion that it did is absolutely shocking. There's just no other way to put it. I, I saw most of this series, some of it in person, and I'll tell you, the first three games, the London Knights, it was almost as though they were toying uh, with Guelph. The first game was close, but then it was a 7 nothing drubbing, and then going back home to Guelph for game number three, you figure the storm would come out, fire it up, pull out all the cliches you want, and then they did. They played, they, they had their best start, certainly, of the series, but London would go on to just score almost at will later as the game went on and they win it seven to four. And all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, well, this one, this one is over, you know, Guelph might get the game four, one of them on home ice and then go back to London and it's all over. But we know how things turned out. It's the so-called reverse sweep. And uh, what a finish, e even if you look at game seven in and of itself, uh, the storm jump out to the lead and then it's one, nothing after one London comes out in the second period. They score 33 seconds in to tie it twice more before the period's four minutes old. Now it's 3-1 London on home ice, 
And this is just what the London Knights do. They're such a great team. They've got such a pedigree. So you would have thought even then, this one's over. Second period ends. London is still up by a goal at 3-2. So they're holding lead going into period number three in game seven in their barn. We have just come to know the London Knights as the team that gets those jobs done. They don't fail in these situations. And historically, they failed in game seven as Guelph moves on. So what changed? How did Guelph turn it around? I mean, you mentioned if if anybody had predicted Guelph before the series in seven games, it wouldn't have been an eyebrow raiser. I mean, you flip a coin seven times, there's a good chance you're going to get heads three times and tails four times, but you don't necessarily expect it in consecutive fashion like this. So what changed halfway through the series? I'm not sure anything specifically changed, but I had an opportunity to talk to head coach George Burnett and storm captain Isaac Ratcliffe earlier today. And you kind of, I I think it would be fair to say you got the answers you expected, but the interesting thing about George is he's been here before he was down with the Belleville Bulls three, nothing in the OHL final to the Kitchener Rangers of all teams in 2008. I remember the series. Well, I covered it. That's when I first got to know George really well. And he brought the Bulls back to three, three, forcing a game seven. Now the Rangers did win that game seven and the OHL championship. But I asked him when I talked to him earlier today, is there, is there a secret, a game-by-game approach? And, you know, he, he kind of sloughed it off just saying it's believing in the players that are in that room and on the ice for you and telling them to go out there and trusting them to do their jobs. And Isaac Ratcliffe was much the same, a really well-spoken young man, but talked about how the confidence of the team never wavered. And as I said a moment ago, if you told me at the beginning of the series that Guelph would win it and they'd win it in seven, I wouldn't have any problem with that statement or that prediction because on paper, the Guelph Storm is virtually a super team. When yeah. you look at all of the players with championship experience, world junior experience, 50 goal scorers, I mean, take your pick of those things. They're all there with the Guelph Storm. So it was just a matter of, you know, that game by game approach, but it had to be something along the lines of the Storm just playing the very best hockey they could. And, and maybe, just maybe, uh, the London Knights thought they had this one in the bag, and before they realized it wasn't in the bag, it was too late. All right, well, we got to preview the two conference finals, but uh, just uh, touching on the London Knights for a second, I mean, for people who don't follow the OHL as closely as as obviously you do, uh, the, the Knights are, I think it's fair to say, probably have the biggest fan base. I think they have the most followers in the CHL of all the teams. They're much, they're very much the New York Yankees of the OHL uh, and um, the the New England Patriots, so They've got a lot of supporters, but they're probably the most hated team in the league as well. Uh, so to see them uh, blow a three goal or three game lead, um, there's uh, a lot of p- fans cheering in the league uh, at that turn as well, aren't there? Fair to say, you are you are absolutely right in everything you just said. And look, London gets the reputation uh, as being the most hated because they win. Everybody, you know, I, listen. I'll tell you right now. I don't like the New England Patriots, and I don't like the New York Yankees. So <laughs> there you go. As this sports fan from afar, and essentially for those reasons. So, of course, that's why London gets most of the hate tweets that are out there. And I I can tell you, I tweeted at the end of the game last night, not yet knowing the historical precedence of it being the biggest collapse in London Knights history, but I said that the London Knights just did the most un-London thing Mm -hmm. ever because you just have, we've grown so accustomed in this league to watching the London Knights just roll. They just keep doing it back to back to back. Uh, Memorial Cup appearances, appearances uh, division championships. I mean, I could go on and on. 
very much that New York Yankees, New England Patriots kind of style. So, yeah, the fans around the league are rejoicing, which, to be honest, I, I have a little bit of a hard time with just the pure sports fan. And you got to recognize excellence. And, yep. and you can say all you want about, uh, you know, how fans, all the conspiracy theories that are out there about how this is being done, how it's accomplished. But it was the Niagara Ice Dogs that were handed sanctions this year, not the London Knights. Everything seems to be above board. I think you got to give Dale Hunter, who will, by the way, coach next year's World Junior Team for Team Canada. you got to give him a boatload of credit about how he coaches this team, how he manages his players, and you have to recognize the success that is there. So, sure, as fans of other teams, you're going to love to hate the Knights, but you really got to hand it to them for what they have accomplished, the consistency that they have played with in a game that we all know is so cyclical at this level. Somehow, someway, the London Knights just keep doing what they do, and, yep, fans of other teams are enjoying it right now, but the, the pure sports person sports fan in me uh feels a little bad about that because they just get the bad rap because they're so good well when one of the perennial favorites isn't around anymore that means somebody else is in for maybe a a rare opportunity that would be the Saginaw spirit Uh, that's the matchup Guelph and Saginaw uh, in the Western Conference uh, final uh, for the OHL size up that matchup for me I kind of like the way the Saginaw spirit have approached this season they were going along they were kind of a preseason darling uh, coming into the 18-19 campaign, even their previous head coach, because that's part of the story here in Saginaw. But Troy Smith was an early pick as a potential coach of the year candidate because they, the team had the right pieces. And, and even if it didn't make it all the way this year, that the thinking was that they're in position in this junior hockey cycle to be there a year from now. Well, what, what happens is I guess general manager Dave Drinkle decided We've got more than we're showing right now because even with his team, they were hovering around 500. I think it was a couple of games above. Right there in the mix of things, certainly not out of the picture, but he fired his coach. Troy Smith was let go, end up going out to Humboldt to finish out his season, and Chris Lazary, the assistant coach at the time, becomes the head coach, and the, every, everything changed. The team went on an absolute tear, played at more than 700, uh, a 700 winning percentage through the rest of the year, and also made additions to an already strong roster at the deadline in the acquisitions of Ryan McLeod and, and uh, Owen Tippett. So uh, guys with, again, uh, NHL contracts, uh, championship experience, you can keep running down the list, and, and a very good team got very much better at the trade deadline. So I really like the way the story has gone for the Saginaw spirit and now being in the conference final, they find themselves further in the playoffs than they have been at any time in their franchise's history. So it's a pretty special thing. And it's a pretty bold thing when you consider that you made the moves that Dave Drinkle, the GM did uh, at the time that he made them. Again, there was nothing seemingly wrong from the outside looking in, but he thought we can do more, we can be better. And he's made his team that way. So uh, there's no question that they have earned their spot here. They knocked off the former Western Conference champs uh, in the second round of the playoffs in knocking off the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds in six. And now they face a team in Guelph that we've already talked about rather extensively that is loaded for bear and has its sights set on Memorial Cup or bust. So the West final to me looks like it's going to be money here in the OHL. Well, the Spirit have home ice advantage. Outside of that, is there an advantage for either club when you're comparing them, you know, goaltender against goaltender, defenseman against defenseman, and key forwards against uh, the other team's key forwards? Is there an edge that you give to either team, or is this a coin flip too? I want to keep giving the edge to the opposition of Guelph in goaltending because 
because Anthony Popovich is a guy that's been uh, sort of battered around as the weak link with the Guelph Storm. But you know what? Every time you watch him, he just wants to prove you wrong. And I'll go back to the Guelph-London series, and in games two and three, particularly game three, I was kind of cringing, thinking, okay, here's the Anthony Popovich now being exploited a little bit against some very good London forwards. But what ends up happening? Guelph comes all the way back, and Anthony Popovich was making the saves he needed to make, and then some. So I would still say in this West final, Ivan Prospetov, the goaltender for the Saginaw Spirit, would I would give the edge to. And by the way, if you haven't seen, if nobody has, just Google Ivan Prospetov celebrations. Yeah. When he is awarded the star, he comes out, does the cartwheels. He's having fun out there. Uh, but other than that, I, I really like the way these two teams match up in terms of size because they're gonna, there's gonna, they can both play heavy games. It will be a physical series, but also the fact that their fourth lines would be the envy of a second line for most other teams in this Western Conference. That's why they are where they are. The depth is absolutely there, and I, I think it's going to be fun. And then the fourth line, the last in-person viewing I had of the Saginaw Spirit, uh, is a big bruising line, but it's also got some hands attached to it. Uh, both of these teams can roll four lines at you. They're big, and they're going to be fun. High-scoring affair. Do you think it'll, it's a long series as well? I would absolutely think it's a long series. If it doesn't go a minimum of six games, I would be very surprised by that. And yeah, with this kind of firepower, you look at what Guelph had to do to get through the London Knights with the goals they were putting up in the final four games to get through it. Uh, and the Saginaw spirit as well. I think you're going to see a lot of five, six, even seven goal games in, in this one. You know, you might see a bunch of six fours or something like that. I don't think I'll, I'll, I'll put this one on the line for you right now. Guy. If there's a two, one game, in this series, I'll be stunned. All right. Uh, the uh, other series going on, the Eastern Conference Final, uh, everybody expected the Ottawa 67s to be there. They are. And it's the Oshawa Generals knocking off the uh, Niagara Ice Dogs in the last round in a six-game uh, series. Uh, can the Generals keep it going, or are the heavy favorites here, the Ottawa 67s, still the team to beat? There's no question in my mind that the Ottawa 67s would be the favorites and maybe even the heavy favorites at this point they have not yet lost a playoff game sweeping both of their first two rounds and of course they were the team that finished the regular season with the most points but this Oshawa team is a really interesting story that round two victory over the Niagara Ice Dog uh, came at the expense really of the Ice Dog's future much like the Guelph Storm in the Western Conference the Niagara Ice Dogs went out this year and they pushed all their chips in early in the season. It was back in November when they made a trade with the Kingston Frontenacs to get Jason Robertson, uh, who's a Dallas Stars prospect, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but leading scorer, goes on to win the scoring title in the league this year. And then they made a bunch more moves when the trade deadline came around, including grabbing a couple of studs in Studnika and Jack Studnika and Matt Broussard from the Oshawa Generals of all teams. So Oshawa seems to be in sell mode while the Niagara Ice Dogs are buying some of their best assets, and it was much like in Guelph this year. It was an all-or-nothing kind of season for the Ice Dogs, and they lose in six to Oshawa in round two. One of the key pieces in all of that was Kyle Kaiser in goal for the Generals. He is easily top five, maybe now pushing himself into top three conversation of goaltenders in the OHL this season, and he's a huge reason why they're there. But I was speaking with uh, Generals Captain Kyle McLean earlier today about playing some of his former teammates and the emotions going through that. But I, I think without Kyle letting on too much, this was a 
a pretty special feeling for those generals players to be up against the team, uh, some of the, not only their friends, but some of the best players they had on their roster and beating them as a team to move on to this final against, uh, against Ottawa. And from the 67's perspective, I spoke with coach Andre Turinye uh, to ask him about uh, sort of keeping this team, his Ottawa team motivated. I mean, you haven't lost yet. You're going through the league like a buzzsaw. What buttons are you pushing? And he says, the key is a short memory. Hmm. It just, every time I go out there with the team, it's like, this is a new game. Here's what you have to do to win this game. They're not supposed to be thinking about anything they've done to date. So, as I said, I think Ottawa is by far the favorite in this series, but with Kyle Kaiser in goal and a team now that's really believing in itself after knocking off a strong Niagara team, uh, it should be a fun series in the East as well. Is there one particular thing that you're looking for from Oshawa that they might uh, be able to exploit against Ottawa? I mean, there's not a lot of holes in the 67s, but is there something, a, a matchup that you're thinking, well, that maybe they can uh, exploit that somehow? Nope. The Ottawa 67s, <laughs> the Ottawa 67s are that good and that complete. And I love the way they put it all together, much like the Saginaw spirit story, uh, a team that despite adding this year and yeah, they, they, they were pretty aggressive in, in some of the deals that they made, but they didn't like Niagara, like Guelph for those two teams. It's an all or nothing this year. Now at Niagara is already out. Guelph is still kicking around, but there will be some lean years as they do rebuilds. Ottawa, much like Saginaw, added, in, in Ottawa's case, they didn't give up a roster player to make the additions that they did this year, including uh, Michael DiPietro in goal. So that just tells you how shrewd they were, both Saginaw and particularly Ottawa, strong moving forward as well. It's going to be, they're going to be some good years, certainly another good one coming up for the Ottawa 67s, and they really are, they're a complete team. Even if Mikey DiPietro stumbles they've got a guy in behind him in Cedric Andre who was yeah. as good if not better numbers wise through the regular season they've got firepower up front and they've got a back end that is so mobile moves the puck so well I, I really don't think there is a glaring weakness that you can exploit so from Oshawa's perspective Kyle Kaiser is absolutely good enough to steal you a game maybe even two and don't get me wrong there are players on Oshawa that can score, but can they can they do it and can they do it consistently against this Ottawa team that will grind you down is deeper, in my opinion. I don't know that they can, but unlike the wild, wild west, I would look at the Oshawa-Ottawa series and we might see some really entertaining 2-1 and 3-2 games. Before uh, you leave, Mike, I should ask you about the uh, the Kitchener Rangers and just how key this offseason is uh, for that club moving forward. What kind of an offseason are you expecting? That's a really good question. I, I what I'm expecting is the import draft, which comes up in June, to be one where the Rangers go shopping to find a little bit of help in goal. Because the way this season, this regular season, went for the Kitchen, the Rangers, they got career years out of guys that are about to come of age in the OHL, move into their overage season. So if those players that are coming back as overagers can even just duplicate what they did during the season that just finished, it's it gives the Kitchener Rangers and their rabid fan base a whole lot of hope. If they improve, then look out. I mean, it, it, it's given the Rangers hope, I believe, that they've got a core of guys around which they can build. They made some great uh, selections in the 
uh, OHL entry draft back in early April, Francesco right. Pinelli, their first rounder who they got at 13. Uh, a lot of pre-draft reports had him in the top five. So he slides down far enough that the Rangers were able to get him. Uh, they picked up a big kid, a, a lumbering defenseman who's, I think his stats were six five two ten. He's 16 years old for crying out loud. <laughs> Might be going the U S route though. So, but if, if you get him to report things like that, and then you've got a, a nice young crop that's going to be a year older in the OHL. Plus those guys I already mentioned who have proven that they can do it at this level. And if they do the same thing in their overage year that they did this year, I think general manager Mike McKenzie has every reason to believe his team can piece together a pretty nice run in 2019, 2020. When you look at the landscape of the OHL, you look at the Guelph the team that, you know, has gone all in this year, so they won't be there next year. Erie's not quite at back, et cetera, without running through everybody in the league. It's just the way things line up. It could be a very good year for the Kitchener Rangers. I think priority number one, in this offseason is to find out if they can do anything in goal. We'll watch for that. A six foot, uh, what'd you say? Six foot five, 210 pounds, 16 year old defenseman? That's exactly what I said. Well, we like, could, who are these kids? Yeah. <laughs> six foot five, 210. We also call that a uh, double farwell. It's like, uh, it's like you piggybacking yourself. That's accurate. I cannot <laughs> dispute that statement. <laughs> Mike, as always, great to talk to you again. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you again, uh, relatively soon. Thanks for doing this. Already looking forward to the next time. Thanks, Keith. Farwell's the best. Uh, always a great analyst, of course, and uh, now doing the play-by-play for the Rangers, but uh, a fun guy to talk to. I first met him uh, in person in uh, 2014 at the Memorial Cup. I think that was the first time I met him in person. Might have been, geez, would he have come to a Memorial Cup like in Saskatoon before that? Maybe he did. Uh, that might have been where I met him the, the first time. I don't remember where it was, but uh, he's... Fun guy to talk to and uh, obviously really uh, intelligent, knowledgeable about the sport. But he's got a sense of humor, too. Uh, so great guy, great guest. Uh, always appreciate his time. Up next on the Pipeline Show, we uh, look ahead to the WHL Conference Finals. You got Edmonton in Prince Albert, Spokane on the road in Vancouver. Both of those series start tonight. We chat with Lucas Pancari from the Prince Albert Daily Herald. That's next here on the Pipeline Show. And Doc will get back to it. Doc at his blue line. Comes to center. Ducks around Leeson. In over the line on the wing. Trying to go wide around. Pahal gets in front. Shoots and scores! Ah! Oh, let's go! Kirby Doc puts hand to the ear as if to listen for the boos from the crowd here at the Art Harris Center. But what a brilliant individual effort by Kirby Doc. And the Blades have opened the scoring in game two in Prince Albert. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades, and this is the Pipeline Show. After sweeping the Calgary Hitmen, your Edmonton Oil Kings are bringing the third round of the WHL playoffs to Rogers Place. As they face off with league leaders, the Prince Albert Raiders. Game three goes down at Rogers Place this Tuesday at 7 p.m. And the puck drops on game four at 7 p.m. this Wednesday. Edmonton Oil Kings, Prince Albert Raiders, Eastern Conference Finals. Fear the roar of round three in the chase for WHL supremacy. Great family entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $22 a seat for a single game ticket. Save on day of game pricing now at oilkings.ca.